Hi neighbors, my name is Brianna Snellgrove. Welcome to the Empathy Evolution. Co-host Becca McKeithen and I will converse with alternating guests and hosts from all walks of life to discuss important topics that apply to you, possibly a neighbor or a friend. As you tune in, we hope that you gain knowledge and possibly a new perspective. Our mission is to be advocates of empathy through active listening with openness and understanding, and we hope that you'll join us on our journey to a solution, the empathy evolution. Want to watch instead? Visit our YouTube channel to see what all the banter is about. You've taken the first step. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to the next episode of Empathy Evolution. Today, we are here with Nan Evans-Foster. We've got Becca McKeithen and Travis Patterson. And I'm going to let Becca introduce Nan um, because you guys have uh, history, right? I mean, I wouldn't, you know, say history. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Nan is incredible. If you guys don't know Nan, she is the owner of The Cutting Board in Milton. She also is one of the most secretly philanthropic women in our area. She's part of a ton of different charities, um, whether she is providing catering, whether she is coordinating donations. She also is the marketing agent for Florida National Insurance and I'm sorry, it's Florida Insurance Agency uh, that uh, is located in Pace, Florida. Um, we are just so honored to have her here today. And we invited her today not to talk about all the amazing things she does in the community, but to talk about a specific amazing thing she's doing right now for our neighboring community in Louisiana. And I will let her share more about her current project uh, serving people who have been impacted by Hurricane Ida. Thank you for being here, Nan. I love you. Thank you so much for having me today. Um, The short and sweet of it is that, you know, the needs are great in Louisiana. Uh, We were contacted by several folks in outlying parishes that are not getting the attention um, that they so deserve and so need as most of the attention is focused on larger areas. So many years ago, my husband Steve and I, we went to Livingston Parish, which is in Albany, Louisiana, after they were flooded. And um, they, of course, reached out and said, hey, is there any chance at all that you can come this way and, and bring us some food? And we said, absolutely. So we will be leaving at 430 in the morning. Um, we're going to go to Albany, Louisiana first, and we're going to feed uh, 500 or so folks there. We're going to load up and then we're going down into the ditches of New Orleans and help another couple of organizations down there uh, by feeding 500 more. And we have partnered with a ton of folks uh, to help pull this off in a very short period of time and just want to give a shout out to to those folks. Of course, Becca at Food Raising Friends was gracious enough to bring us 250 bags of non-perishable food items. Uh, Ellis Crane Works donated monetarily for fuel for all these vehicles and trailers and things of that nature. Uh, Smith Tractor Company donated as well monetarily. Uh, Brad Pittman at Advanced Insurance donated. Tracy Allen at Goosehead Insurance. Um, Of course, my folks at Florida Insurance Agency always step up to the plate and uh, Wadi Corey and Jerry Miles and all the staff that have reached into their pockets and graciously donated us. We appreciate that. Uh, Sunbelt Title, Kim Anderson uh, will be going with us tomorrow uh, as well to help and and her company has donated. And of course, uh, Alyssa Shepard that owns Alyssa's, the refinery 
and et cetera, has donated as well. Um, we quickly put together an event that will culminate on the 29th for a second trip. Um, so we are going to take donations from now until the 29th, and then we will make a second trip. Um, but tomorrow we are you know, loaded down, going to feed a thousand folks primarily and take what other supplies that we can that um, has been given to us by Larry Ward at Event Productions. Uh, for those that don't know Larry, he has sent about 10 or 15 semis full of uh, supplies and, and met lots of needs at this point. And um, he is a man of many talents, and we just appreciate everything that he is doing as well. If you don't know Larry Ward, please look him up on Facebook. You can find him under Larry Ward. Uh, I think you can find him under Event Productions as well. He has a ton of folks out there today sorting and uh, boxing up uh, about a thousand five-gallon buckets full of supplies. So a lot going on in the next 24 hours to get us there and uh, take care of these folks that are our neighbors. And let's talk about a little bit about Hurricane Ida, because I think that it comparatively people think about uh, disaster in Louisiana being uh, through Katrina and how bad that was. Uh, comparatively to Katrina, you know, What's the damage right now over there? So based on the conference calls that I've been on, um, the the greatest thing that surprised me the most is, you know, everybody wants to compare it to Katrina. Um, but according to their primary energy supplier there, they had um, over 30,000 um, poles just snapped in half in addition to their main uh, transmission line falling into the water, which has been seen nationwide. So you know, the the other challenge that those folks are facing is this storm came on shore and sat and spun for hours and hours and hours um, instead of just blowing through like Katrina did. So the damage is much more extensive than, than what people realize just because of the sheer nature of the storm itself and, and the impact that it had on all of those areas. And it's also a much broader area, I think, than Katrina. It's... Um, it, it's just total devastation over there, and, and certainly the media is trying to cover as much of it as they can, but there's just no way um, for people to have a, a real understanding of the devastation over there. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that they're – I mean, because I, th I think that's true. I haven't seen nearly as much media about the coverage of Louisiana, and in, in my mind from a uh, secondary perspective of, you know, only catching the news every couple of days um, – you know, I haven't seen as much about that unless I'm talking to to firsthand contacts that are going over there. Um, you know, why do you think that is? You know, I, I really I can't wrap my brain around it, and I don't know what the the reasoning behind that is. Um, I, I do know that those of us that have been involved in efforts. Um, for various storms and situations like this, just, um, you know, we just reach out to each other. And, you know, so I don't know. I mean, to answer your question, honestly, I, I don't know why the coverage is not there. Um, I, I think that everybody that is hands and feet have just been trying to figure out how quickly we can get things together and get to these folks. Um, because there is, again, uh, total devastation in a lot of areas that have never even made it uh, to Main Street media. And this has nothing to do with the hurricane, but I do I do have a little uh, perspective on, I think, the way we watch TV is different. Um, we're not watching the live news as, as frequently. And so I do think just our awareness of what's going on in Ida um, isn't as great as it should be. Um, I've caught a lot of 
personal news articles scrolling Facebook that I've read. But of course, when you're scrolling a Facebook post or reading, you're not getting that video imagery of what is actually happening. You're more mm. seeing stills. Um, until I talked to Nan, Nan and I saw each other last week, I I was not uh, ignorant to it. I knew there was damage. I right. knew it was Me bad. Too. I knew what I knew. I didn't realize the extent. And I think we are almost in a unique uh, situation living in also a highly Im- uh, hurricane-impacted area. We really think of hurricanes by our own experience right. with hurricanes. And so when somebody is going through something that is significantly uh, worse or when we get away from a hurricane so many years and maybe we haven't had an experience such as you have, that we almost don't understand how much the devastation could be. Um, I'm really thrilled you're going tomorrow. I think you've brought up, uh, when we spoke, you had brought up the unique needs facing the elderly and the nursing homes. And I think that's something uh, really important that if you have a minute, would you kind of share what was going on with some of the nursing homes you had spoken to? Yeah. So our context, um, of, of course, the immediate situation was, you know, they had nowhere for some of these folks to go in some of these establishments, be it nursing home hospitals, um, things of that nature. So they just had to batten down the hatches and, and hope for the best. Uh, one of our contacts um, in the downtown area uh, directed us over to Thibodeau. And I believe, if my memory serves me correct, Thibodeau had four hospitals, three of which were pretty much wiped out. They tried to move as many folks as they could to the remaining hospital. Um, and I believe the percentage that I was given was 80% of the staff at that hospital had lost their homes entirely oh in that area. So, you know, you've got staff. You've got doctors, nurses trying to save people's lives. You've got patients in these facilities. Um, the call I got day before yesterday was they had two generators. One of those generators failed at that hospital, and 50% of the rooms with patients in them were already above 90 degrees. Um, it's, you know, when you look at those types of situations, um, you know, they, they're doing everything they can, and uh, I feel like the least we can do is try to get over there and give those folks a, at least one hot meal and, and take whatever we can by way of supplies and yeah. um, try to, you know, rally the troops to get their needs met. There's an effort to meet the immediate need and then to leave some, some uh, resources that are going to help them kind of carry on. Hey, it's Bree here. Thanks for listening to Empathy Evolution. We'll get right back to the show, but I want to take a couple of minutes to give a shout out to some incredible friends and sponsors. First up is Empathic Practice. When I talked with owner Felipe Munoz, he was so excited to support our mission at Empathy Evolution. If you haven't heard of them, uh, I'll tell you that they've quite literally changed my life. They're a holistic wellness clinic that's in Pensacola, Florida, and they provide services like massage therapy, mindfulness and meditation coaching, and they have a physician named Dr. Haas who can determine if you qualify for a medical marijuana card. I'm a huge supporter of Felipe and his business, and I'm grateful that he is a sponsor for our show. Check him out by visiting their beautiful website full of resources at empathicpractice.us. Up next is Scarlet Magazine. This is the publication you guys have been waiting for, the latest in women's fashion, beauty, home decor, lifestyle, and health. They say we at Scarlet aren't afraid of something new. We aren't afraid to be different, and we don't care who you are, who you love, or what you look like. We want to empower women of all shapes and sizes and walks of life. And if that doesn't describe Becca and I in a nutshell, I don't know it does. So check out the latest issue of Scarlet Magazine in the Pensacola Destin area, or you can view the digital subscription at issue.com. You can also visit their website at scarletmag.com or visit their Facebook page to see what they're up to. Because frankly, we know you give a damn. 
Beck and I want to thank you for listening and remind you that we put our blood, sweat, and tears into this production. My team at Social Icon does all the producing and promotion and Becca's nonprofit food raising friends does all the giving and we we continue to support her in doing that. We appreciate all who listen and hope you'll show us some love by leaving a review, sharing or sending us a note of what you liked best about the conversation. Now back to the show. Um, I was really, when we were packing our bags yesterday, Bree and I were at Food Raising Friends and we had already had some bags packed, but they just weren't full enough for me. So I said, everybody come in, just kind of pack. I said, if, if you touch a bag and it doesn't have enough food, pack it to the max. People are like, well, do I put too much of this? Or I'm like, it, you can't put too much. Like they are going to be sharing with their neighbors. They're going to be sharing with their parents. They're going to be sharing with their cousins and whoever else. I said, just pack the bags up. And so um, I'm thankful that we can help this time. I'm thankful for all the additional things that you're doing even past what we were able to provide. And I'm thankful we have an opportunity not just to do that now, but also you're heading back down there the 30th and we'll be prepped and ready to hopefully help you again and maybe even have a bigger turnout than we did this time. Yeah, you know, people and bodies are, uh, help is always critical in these situations. Uh, As it stands right now, there's, you know, 10 of us going tomorrow to try to cook and feed a thousand folks. Um, That's a a lot of manual labor. It's a lot of box building. Um, Certainly, we want to keep everything as easily accessible for these folks as we can. So the intent is to build these mills and boxes and literally create drive-through lines. They'll drive up. They'll tell us how many mills they need. Um, We'll give them those mills. Uh, A couple of other businesses that have donated Coca-Cola, donated um, pallets and pallets of of drinks for us Mm -hmm. to take. Uh, Walmart and Pace donated pallets and pallets of drinks. Um, The Nikki Mitchell Foundation, which is based out of Nashville, Tennessee, has jumped on board and been a great asset to us as well. Um, They've given us money monetarily. They've tapped into their resources. you know, and helped from a distance. So this is not something that uh, only local people can help. Um, we we take all gifts and donations at this point. So um, we we have great needs. These needs are going to continue. This is um, as we've said all week long. It's it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Um, so we just have to keep in mind that you know we're going to make several trips as well as tons of organizations making trips over there. We we are one small. Um, speck of water in the bucket, for lack of a better word. So let's talk about the marathon, um, because firsthand experience, and we were talking about secondhand trauma in in another episode, and um, when it comes to hurricanes and loss of possessions in house and home, um, my experience with that is is firsthand. And so um, if if you're looking for insight into what it's like for someone who doesn't have anything after a major uh, hurricane or natural disaster, um, th- this is a little bit what it's like. So you, you, first of all, a lot of people who evacuated can't or haven't gotten back to their homes yet um, because they have been staying somewhere else. There are trees down, there are power poles down. Um, roads may not be cleared. I know that one of the main priorities is to get power up in places they can. So you've got trucks from on every street trying to, to prepare things. Um, and then grocery stores and anywhere that has power and is giving out things there's i don't know how it is in louisiana but when in pensacola and in milton when ivan came through there were lines out the door and around the building for people trying to get goods and services and needs um and national guard had to come in to kind of help manage that um and then you don't have i mean you're living with friends if they have homes you can go to um and i know that something we talked about earlier was that 
it's not always possible for someone to evacuate. I know that a lot of talk is about, oh, well, you have to evacuate, you have to evacuate. Well, a lot of people don't have the means to do that. So um, I know you have some opinions about that too, Nan. Yeah. So someone said to me um, during the course of this uh, effort that evacuation was a luxury, and I've really never thought about it like that. Um, But, you know, if you don't have the means to evacuate, then you have no choice but to stay where you are. Um, And certainly in doing that, uh, the risk becomes much greater. Um, The areas that we've talked to um, have had a lot of that situation where people just absolutely did not have the means to evacuate. And yes, there, you know, uh, our contacts in Livingston Parish and Albany, um, there's just people everywhere that are in tents. They are in their cars. They are, um, you know, uh, talked to a guy yesterday that has uh, 20 people in one house. Um, you know, you just don't realize, I, I think, that that truly evacuating sometime is a luxury. And it has certainly put a different perspective um, in this situation for me, just realizing that, um, you know, that that is, a, that is a luxury for some folks. Yeah. And before we uh, begin the episode, we were talking to Nan about that exact concept. And um, one thing to realize is that the the privilege of being able to leave and having those finances, having the um, capacity, being able to go somewhere safe, get somewhere safe, having transportation, funding, and knowing where you can go. Um, We even brought up pets and things that can complicate situations uh, for families that are trying to evacuate or making the hard decision that they cannot um, are the same challenges that they face when they stay. They're probably more limited in their resources. And so, Nan, I'm really just grateful you're going. Um, are there ways that people can support you uh, in immediately? Are there ways that people can support you in this upcoming uh, uh, excursion that you're going on on the 30th? And do you need volunteers? Because we've talked about people giving food like us, people giving monetary donations. How are people signing up to join you if, if you're accepting volunteers? Um, how can people donate, and what can people bring to you, and when and where? Can we call it the, the Join the Nan Caravan? <laughs> we can oh call, my we gosh, can call we're it making join. <laughs> yeah, we can call it the Join the Nan Caravan. Um, and, and I just want to say, you know, I, I, a have, a, I have a, an incredible <laughs> husband who cooks for the masses. Um, I can't even boil water, and I'll be the first person to say that. So, Well, you're um, talking about 10 people feeding 1,000. I have seen Nan work. One thing I know about that, about y'all's crew, though, you do know how to create efficiency. I have never been to an event where you did not have efficiency, so I I'm really do wish you well tomorrow. It, it is streamlined, and and yes, it, it is a process that a lot of folks don't understand. Uh, last night at uh, 9 o'clock, we had two or three folks out uh, marinating uh, 1,500 chicken quarters because that's what we're, one of the items we're taking tomorrow. Um, you know, it's it's not just a matter of loading up food and taking it somewhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to be able to cook that food. you got to be able to distribute it properly. You know, COVID is still very real. You, you, we're trying to make everything as COVID-friendly as we can, uh, thus the reason for the drive through lines and prepackaged meals and, you know, so people aren't getting out of their cars. Um, there's just a lot of moving parts to this that a lot of folks don't think about. Um, as far as how you can donate, where you can donate, um, if you want to make monetary donation, uh, we have set up a Venmo specifically for this. It is not being used for anything except these efforts right here for Louisiana, and it is at Nan Foster. That is at N-A-N-F-O-S-T-E-R. Um, if your business would like to make a donation and it be a tax-deductible donation, you can donate through Food Raising Friends 
and they have graciously agreed to either purchase more food or get us those funds whenever we're ready to go back on the 30th. And please just earmark those, Hurricane Ida, so we know uh, it's not going into our general fund. It'll go into a Hurricane Ida fund. Yeah, and just know that any any amount of money is is appreciated and is going to certainly go to good use. I had a young lady call me that said, I'm a student, and, you know, I, I can't donate very much money. And I said, you know, $1, $1 million, it makes no difference to me because it's all going to be appreciated and used for folks that have nothing at this point. Right. So that's the important thing for people to remember is that there are a lot of people with absolutely nothing um, um, if you would like to donate supplies, there's drop-off boxes at Alyssa's. There's drop-off boxes at Florida Insurance Agency. There is drop-off boxes at Sunbelt Title. There's drop-off boxes at Supreme Lending in Pensacola. There is drop-off boxes, I believe, at all of the Coldwell Banker offices. Um, we will gather all those things up at the end of the month, and by that point, we'll have a much better handle on what needs to go where. So uh, the culmination of that event will be... Um, an axe-throwing event that's going to be held at the cutting board on September the 29th. It is called Acts of Kindness. Um, so we have flyers out on social media. Um, certainly anyone can call the cutting board um, if they have any questions at 850-564-1442. Again, that's 850-564-1442. Uh, we, like everyone else, are short-staffed, so please uh, just be patient. We will get back to you as quick as we can to answer your questions. Um, we have plenty of folks that will come collect your donations if you don't have any way to get those to us. Um, there is so many ways that people can help. Um, uh, you know, the the greatest needs are the smallest needs. So everything from a toothbrush all the way up. Are you looking for volunteers? Yes, we will be taking volunteers back with us um, whenever we coordinate the trip on the 29th. Uh, certainly, if anybody wants to come tomorrow, we will be leaving at 4.30 a.m. from the Cutting Board Restaurant at 5701 Highway 90 in Milton. Uh, we are going to caravan. There are always things that folks can do. Again, it takes a small village to uh, pull off a thousand meals in a day. So we will take anybody that wants to go with us as far as help is concerned. Great. Yeah. And I want to wrap this up by saying that if you are in Louisiana or you have family that's directly affected by Hurricane Ida, um, we love you. We feel for you. We know that um, it's not easy right now and it kind of looks like there's no end in sight um, and no light at the end of the tunnel. But I can tell you from experience that there is, and the help that's coming is going to be a godsend. Um, so we'll keep you in our prayers and um, keep your head held high. We know that um, help is coming, help is on the way, and it's a process, but it, you'll make it to the other side. We have confidence in that. Yep. Keep going, our friends. And thank you for being here today, Nan. We well, thanks for you. Thanks for having us. We, uh, we appreciate being here, and we will see you folks in Louisiana tomorrow. And we're going to have you back sometime, and hopefully we'll get a good report and be able to have a little bit more fun instead of having, uh, we'll get to focus on some of the positive things that have come out of it. Absolutely. Mm. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. Thank you.